views expressed on this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and are not necessarily those of this station, its management, or other advertisers. You're listening to Transformation Talk Radio. Welcome to Lime Talk Radio with Dr. Pat Basili, epic healing for an epic life. This inspiring show highlights leading-edge solutions, groundbreaking research, headline topics, and tools for holistic healing and wellness. This hit show is dedicated to raising awareness, promoting advocacy and prevention, and supporting initiatives for optimal health. Dr. Pat is passionate and focused on life-saving results reaching far beyond Lyme disease, providing a forum for powerful stories, heart-opening experiences, and hope-activated solutions. Dr. Pat will shine a light on the many shades of Lyme disease fueled by a body-mind-spirit remedy. Now here's your host, Dr. Pat. Hey, everyone. I want to welcome you. We have gotten such incredible response since Dr. Darvish and I have launched Lyme Talk Radio and Lyme Global, as a matter of fact, and a bunch of other things that are going to shine the light of awareness on Lyme and chronic uh, chronic illness. Uh, today's show is super important. I'm Dr. Pat, and I'm joined by my colleague, my sidekick, Dr. Nusheen Darvish. Uh, and, you know, here we are, Dr. Darvish, you and I, and we've talked about this in previous shows, the journey that we have taken together. And, you know, it's interesting because, uh, you know, as many years as we've known each other, we probably, you know, haven't even touched upon what this journey has been like. And today is a very special show, isn't it? Why don't you tell folks a little bit about today? You know, I'm really very excited and honored and truly humbled to have two really amazing woman on the show along with us. These two, uh, one of them I recently met maybe in about uh, in the last six to eight weeks, but the other one I've known for a few years and uh, I've been honored enough and blessed enough to be part of her journey uh, through her life of um, challenges, crisis and victories. And so this is a story, and uh, I'm excited to hear all of her story because I've never really heard all of her story about where she came from, what she did, and um, how she's journeyed through this condition, dealing with her symptoms and uh, Lyme, and then uh, working through now with similar and yet different issues with her daughter, who will also be joining us. So i really like to welcome Dory, one of my patients, here on the show, and then uh, we'll talk with Dana as well, her daughter. So, yeah. Dory, i really like to hear about your story. Can you yeah. please yes. share with us? Yeah, yes, thank thanks you. Thanks for have, having me on. I think it is exciting for me to get to... Um, Two days after your birthday, Dr. Darvish. Yeah, happy birthday. (laughs) Thank you. Um, But my story really started in 1994 when Dana, who's on the line, was younger. And um, I got salmonella poisoning really bad. And I ended up in the hospital for several days and comatose for three of those days. And um, it took them a while to figure out what was wrong. And in the years after, I was diagnosed with all kinds of things, rheumatoid arthritis, interstitial cystitis, irritable bowel disease, Epstein-Barr, all kinds of things. 
and was being medicated for this, that, and the other and trying to figure out why I felt so terrible. And in 1999, I landed in the hospital again with atrial fibrillation and they had no cause and just basically put me on some kind of medication and said, you know, it should be fine because it was electrical. Your heart all looks good. And, um, and then due to the interstitial cystitis, following that, I had a bladder distension and a laparoscopy for endometriosis. They just continued to find these things, um, symptoms really. And, um, then between, oh, I don't, it must've been 2004, 2007, I had another atrial fibrillation, another bladder distension, and they sent me to a cardiologist to have a heart ablation. And, um, but that didn't seem to fix the problem. I still had the, the very high resting heart rate. And so um, I had read a book by Suzanne Summers called Breakthrough. And when I was reading it, um, my husband said, you need to go see one of the doctors. And so I did. And I was diagnosed with celiac disease. And I mean, when I quit eating gluten and dairy, actually, I mean, the sky turned blue, the sun came out, and I just thought the whole world had changed. And But it didn't eliminate all of the issues. And um, in 2010, I had a my airbags deploy in my car while I was driving without any accident and had a traumatic brain injury. And it was at that time... Um, they said it would take about six months to feel better. And I didn't feel better after six months. And after about a year, I said, something's not right. Did a bunch of stuff, went to Mayo Clinic uh, twice, uh, trying to figure out what's wrong with my brain. Why am I not sleeping? What am I doing? And at the time I had a lovely friend who was a patient of Dr. Darvish. And she said, you need to go see this healer. And so I went to see her and she doesn't even know this. So I'm going to, I'm going to tell a little tale on you, Dr. D. Um, (laughs) But when I came in, I just, I was very skeptical and I just really wanted to find out if um, what she was going to do was really um, effective and if she really knew what she was doing. And so I didn't actually tell her any of the things I just told you. I think I told her about my celiac disease and I believe I came in just to have her check food allergies and that kind of thing. But fully well knowing that I'd had this traumatic brain injury and the first thing that happened when I came into her office and introduced myself, we kind of went over my history. I didn't tell her about my traumatic brain injury. And I remember Dr. D, the first thing you did is you, you walked behind the chair and you put your hands on my head. And I thought, that is so bizarre. Why would you do that? That's such an odd thing for a doctor to do. And, and I'm going, that's, that's our girl. I know. I'm going, she's going to go beam me up, Scotty. <laughs> and, um, and she stood there for a while and I'm thinking, all right, this is really wacko. And so, so then all of a sudden she said, you know, you have no fluid flowing on the left side of your brain. And I got really kind of creeped out about that because I was hit on the left side with my airbag and that was where my injury was. And so I thought, okay, that might be coincidence, you know. And so then when when I get on the table and you started doing your autonomic response testing, um, you continued to say, you know, it's funny because food is not coming up for me. I, I I'm sure you have food issues, but she says, I keep coming back to trauma. And of course, 
this year prior, I'd had my traumatic brain injury and it had been very traumatic and more traumatic than I actually thought at the time. And so this is when I thought, okay, maybe she does know a little something about what she's doing. (laughs) And uh, so she continued to delve deeper. And that was in uh, 2011, I guess, Dr. D. How old were you, by the way, throughout this whole thing? I mean, can you tell us how old you were when all these symptoms started? Um, Well, well, in 95, I'm 52 now. Mm -hmm. Um, So So 20 years ago. So you were in your 30s. Yeah. Yeah. I was in my thirties. Yeah. And, um, so, but there was a lot of other trauma as well in my, in my past. I had lost two sisters. Um, a lot of things that, um, you know, became much more clear to me as I worked with Dr. Darvish that we're not just our physical being. And, um, and I really appreciate the fact that, um, her type of healing, and I do call it healing because I don't think everybody does this. Um, I think her type of healing is really all about um, the whole person. And because we can't get our physical self obviously fixed if our mental self is driving us down. And I know Dana will talk a little bit about her cancer diagnosis and how much research we've done on how much your what, what's going on in your mind and your heart and your soul really impact your physical being. And so I was really grateful for the fact that she was not just looking at, you know, how, how do I fix this, you know, your head. Um, so that's, that's my story of how I got to see Dr. Darvish. And as we worked together, um, I think it was two appointments later, Dr. D. I think we worked on some other things. I did some cranial sacral work and, um, uh, some nutritional IVs because at the time I wasn't um, absorbing nutrients. I still don't know if I am. We should probably look into that. But um, <laughs> I, uh, and then she said, you know, would, could you, were you ever around, you know, were you a camper? Were you ever around, mm-hmm. you know, places where there are ticks? Mm-hmm. And I thought, no, heavens no. Right. I mean, camping right. to me is like Motel 6 with black and white television. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm like, uh not me. Camping so, for um, mom is in a nice RV with a bunk bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And satellite that, TV, right? Yes. That would, no, I don't need TV. <laughs> but, um, you know, it was funny because um, I she went ahead and tested me for Lyme uh, because I, as much as I had gotten better and I was feeling much clearer and I could actually function at work, and I started getting memory back and things like that that had really um, been difficult um, with my TBI, um, there were still some issues. And so she tested me for Lyme, and I was just sure that I wouldn't have it. And um, so after she tested me, I remember calling my father, and I said, you know, I don't ever remember. I was born in Sacramento in California. I said, I don't ever remember being around anywhere where I would have gotten a tick or anything. I said, doesn't that seem odd? And he said, well, you know, when you lived over in Eastern Washington in Colfax and you had that dog, Kelsey, you guys were constantly picking ticks off her. Don't you recall? Hmm. And I really, I really hadn't remembered. Wow. And um, so then my Lyme disease testing came back and um, sure enough, I did have Lyme and, um, I, it's a, it's amazing. I hadn't really thought about it until just this moment about the difference in who I was then and who I am now. Wow. 
and it's it's really significant. It actually kind of makes me um, a little choked up because I, even though I'm not completely well, I don't know if any of us are ever completely well because we're bombarded by the world we live in, but um, I feel so whole. Mm. And um, mm. there were so many years where I didn't. And so for me, I'm still, uh, well, I'm a huge believer. Dr. Darvish calls it magic. And um, I don't care what you call it. It has, you know, changed my life. And I think Dana can attest to that. I think mm-hmm. the kids recognize, especially after my TBI. And, you know, I spent a lot of time seeing doctors. I think they thought I was a hypochondriac, perhaps. I don't know, Dana, you can. No, I didn't. You didn't? Okay. Well, you can be honest. I know. I didn't. But, um, <laughs> So that's that's my journey, and that's mm-hmm. where I am now. And we're still we're still working on, you know, some things because I'm not getting any younger, and we still live in a toxic world. But you know, it's it's amazing the difference that changing your cosmetics, changing your food, changing the water, changing your the pans that you cook in, all of those things. You know, I think people are looking for some big panacea, this one thing that's going to completely change their life, and. You know, I've said for three years, I'm going to start a blog that's really just, it shouldn't be this hard because it really shouldn't be this hard for us to make the decisions that change um, the little decisions every day that actually have a big impact when you put them all together. And so, you know, I've just found that um, making those changes one by one mm-hmm. makes a significant impact overall. Um, and and when I look back at the journey, I'm going, Wow. You know, I I would love to be able to help people, and that's why I'm here on the radio with Dr. D and you, Dr. Pat, is because yeah. I think I don't want everybody to come see Dr. Darvish because it's already hard enough to get into her, but I would like for her to clone herself. <laughs> well, actually, I'm working on a little cloning device so that uh, we could make that happen. Sweet. Uh, yeah. You know, one of the things I want to I would love, Dr. Darvish, for you to comment about, because, you know, thank you so much for sharing that story. And, you know, the reason that this story is so important is because even today and Dr. Darvish and I did a show last week on the celebrities coming out, you know, even today with the numbers changing, the latest now, the CDC, I think, is coming up and saying, oh, look, we made a little uh, oopsie. It's not 300,000, maybe more like a million a year. Even with that. That we are still in the world, especially where we live in the Pacific Northwest, we're still in a world where denial is not just the queen. It is the queen, the king, the rook, all of the above around this. Dr. Darvish, I would love for you to talk for a minute about the test because I, I love what you said. Oh, and I went and got the test. By the way, in some states, it's actually illegal to give people tests or you're not allowed to, quote, ask for the test. For our listeners, um, would you tell folks again uh, what that test was so that people are aware what they should even ask for? Well, you know, the local laboratory tests um, run what's called a Western blot. And Western blot tests for Lyme disease is regarded as the gold standard, although it misses majority of uh, the results. So we get a lot of false negative results on these tests. There's a few labs across the nation, one of them in California, uh, which focus more on Lyme testing, and they still do the Western blot, but they 
um, the technology is much more sensitive and they have a chance to test for this infection from many different um, factors and look to see if there's anything that becomes positive. They've been, um, you know, analyzed by the FDA multiple times and won cases against the FDA for their testing multiple times. So they've been around for at least 20 years and they're very, very powerful uh, lab in terms of their accuracy. It's one of the laboratories that's well-known nationwide amongst many of the Lyme literate doctors. So the test, um, you know, it's it's a blood test, and typically we um, draw the blood and run it to the lab overnight. And the lab is in California, and the results take about two or three weeks before they come back. And uh, we sit down and go through the test results because the test results are not a direct, necessarily a positive, negative result. It Mm -hmm. can be very complex in interpretation. So doctors um, must be familiar with, with interpreting this particular laboratory test result. But, you know, it's interesting you mentioned about test results because... Lab tests are one thing, but in Europe, they're finding, you know, Europe has a very high degree of Lyme disease. And the doctors, the medical doctors in Europe are finding that laboratory tests, because of their, um, you know, false positive, high amounts of false um, negatives, actually, that um, these patients um, will have Lyme, but the test results can come out negative. And so they found that the best way to test patients for Lyme disease is energetically. And they made an announcement a few years ago that uh, in Europe that, you know, we should actually test patients through energy testing versus blood testing just because of its accuracy. And so what we do here in, uh, in our clinic is we do test patients both energetically and blood-wise. Mm-hmm. And that, that's what Dory was referring to as autonomic response testing, um, which, um, you know, what I do is a derivative of that. And we tend to find, you know, positive levels of Lyme or its co-infections like Bartonella or Mycoplasma or certain viruses. And uh, that hints me towards, yes, we need to check this person for Lyme disease. And that's what happened with Dory. When she came in the second or third time, I don't remember, but when she did come in, I was doing the reflex testing and I found that, huh, Borrelia, Lyme disease may be a possibility here and it definitely fits with her symptoms. So we test her and see if the results are positive. And sure enough, they were positive and then we began our journey of treatment. And I think it would be a good idea for Dory to share with us um, just a brief explanation of what her treatment consistent of because it wasn't a typical Western conventional antibiotic therapy. Yes. 
Right. Yeah. No, and I, I, I think that's a great idea. Um, you know, one of the things I want to say, and maybe we'll, we'll go to break and, and so you have enough time to talk about it. One of the things I just want to follow up on, which is really super important for all of you out there, is the idea that, um, and this is something I think you all be interested in. You know, if you, those of you out there who have emailed us, uh, especially emailing me over the past uh, several months since we started this, you know, the thing you point out is the statements that are made by the Washington State Department of Health, and you have certainly pointed that out to us, and we're uh, thinking about a strategy for this. And let me just share this with everyone, because, Dory, this is really the battle where we live, right? If you go to the Department of Health, which many of you have done, what you're going to read is a report that says each year 7 to 23 cases of Lyme disease among Washington residents are reported. Many of these people acquire the disease following a tick bites that occur in the Northeast and Upper Midwest states where Lyme disease occurs more commonly. However, there are usually a few cases, zero out of three, in Washington annually that result from tick bites in our state. Basically, what they're saying is we do not have the tick. It just we have a border around Washington state, an electromagnetic field and the tick and the deer and everybody else and all the other. They they don't cross the Washington state border. We don't have Lyme. And this is really the thing that that I, I, I want people that are listening to this all over the world to be aware of, because you have to go look at what your state is saying. California was instrumental and getting things changed. Isn't that an added battle, Dr. Darvish, story that we, that we have had to face here a little bit? Definitely. You know, uh, I have patients that come from eastern Washington, from San Juan Islands, Whidbey Island, and they haven't gone anywhere else but in those areas, you know, lived in those areas or grew up in those areas, went camping, and sure enough, um, we're finding positive Lyme testing. In fact, I remember a few years back, I had a patient who came in and she lived on one of the smaller uh, San Juan Islands and uh, we diagnosed her with Lyme disease and then she went back and she found somebody else on the island who also had had Lyme disease and the Department of Health apparently came and looked at it, and sure enough, they identified this particular small island as having Lyme disease, but they never announced it. So nobody ever found out that these islands can actually have Lyme disease. I have multiple families that come from Whidbey Island that have Lyme disease. Yeah. You know, eastern Washington is very common, and here Dory is explaining about you know, growing up uh, camping in eastern Washington and right. playing playing with dogs with ticks. Right. You know, and th- the reason that we're bringing this up is because, it, you know, we're going to be covering a, a number of shows, Dr. Darvish, where we're talking about, you know, what you have the right to do, what you have the right to ask for. You know, what are some of the tips? What are some of the things you could learn from people like Dory about how to come out into the world and stand up and take responsibility for what's going on in your body. And at the same time, to stand in a place of empowerment as opposed to a place of victimhood. Um, And, you know, this is really important for us to talk about because, you know, there are many cases where the only way that an an organization in a state like Washington, a CDC, would run a test if you didn't go to a Dr. Darvish, uh, the only way they'd run it for you would be if, in fact, you come from the East Coast 
or come from the Midwest or grew up there. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. My dream is to end homelessness. My passion is living a green life. My dream is to end poverty. My passion is volunteering. My passion is making a difference. My dream is to cure Lyme disease. My passion is rebuilding communities. My passion is helping those in need. My passion is caring for the elderly. My dream is to find a cure for cancer. My dream is to leave a better world for my children. We all have that special passion, that lifelong dream that drives us to live our lives with meaning and to create a better world. No matter what drives you, we can all make an impact. Dr. Pat Basili is helping others make their dreams come true so we can all help make our world a better world. To learn more about how Dr. Pat is building a community of sharing hope, strength, funds, knowledge, and information, visit abetterworldcrowdfunding.com today. That's abetterworldcrowdfunding.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back to Lime Talk Radio. It's so great to have you here. So great to have Dr. Darvish as my fabulous co-host as we bring you stories, stories of people, real lives, real journeys, real challenges, but also real victories. And that's what today is about. If you want to find out more about us, go to LimeTalkRadio.com. You know, this is where we are today, bringing voice to a very, very important topic that saves lives. Truly, and I, I can't wait to hear the rest of the story from Dory and Dana about their crisis, like you mentioned, but also their amazing victories, uh, which is really what life is about, and the joy and the love and the support that they have for each other and um, for helping themselves, but also for helping others. I'm just very, very thankful and excited to have them here today. So, Dory, would you... Share with us just a brief um, journey of your treatments and what you went through so that we can get an understanding of how Lyme can be treated without antibiotics. Um, Well, we did a lot of things. I'm not even sure I remember in what order we did what. (laughs) But I think, you know, I I always compare it to the layers of the onion. You know, you, you have to get past certain things. We did heavy metal detoxing because I had lead, mercury, um, and aluminum poisoning. Um, And so we did all of that. I I realized there was lead in my lipstick, which who would know that our lipstick has lead? That's a really handy little tidbit. But um, so really getting rid of those heavy metals. We also did a lot of, I think, antimicrobials, um, Dr. D, if I'm not mistaken, um, <clears throat> we also they were mostly did, herbal. They were okay. mostly herbal, right? And not um, prescription antibiotics. Oh, no, I didn't do any prescription antibiotics. None. I don't think you ever gave me a prescription for anything. No. And we did, I, we did IV support. I know that I did the... What, what's the packet in the little silver? Excuse me, Argentin. Argentin, yes. yes. So I did a long series of Argentin. My favorite. Um, Pardon me? That's my favorite. Yes. Yeah, me too. I keep a bottle of it here at home all the time. I know. And I did some on-demed, which I believe was really helpful in um, 
because it's not an easy thing. It's not an easy thing to fight something. And especially, I think, I think I'm a fighter and not everybody is like me. And I kind of come at things with both guns blazing. Um, (laughs) But it's still not an easy thing um, to deal with um, trying to get to all of these appointments. It's not just like, here, take this prescription, go home and take this, and you take it, and there's no other impact. It does impact what's going on in your life, and you you have to make time to get to the IV room and those sorts of things. But no, I never had any issue whatsoever. I didn't, you know, I had some Herx reactions, which, um, you know, they say are very normal. But um, other than that, you know, I didn't do any. I mean, we looked at my hormones. We did a lot of things, Dr. D, I think, probably because the point of age where I am, you know, I was just pushing 50 at the time. And so we did some hormone therapy. Uh, You actually found out I had a thyroid issue. We did some thyroid things. And I think all of those things were supportive in helping me get rid of the Lyme. Well, you know, we have also, we have Dana with us and, you know, this is an interesting story, isn't it? But more importantly, it's the journey that you both have taken together. Tori, you want to talk a little bit about Dana before we jump right over there? Sure. You know, last fall, Dana was complaining about headaches and, um, you know, it just didn't seem to end. And and um, she started going home from work because she would vomit from having headaches. And I just said, you know, that's just not normal. Her folks at work were saying it just isn't normal. And she was treated for sinus infection and seemed to feel better. And then um, after she was off the medication for sinus infection, the headaches came back and on February 5th, actually, um, she had a friend who said, you know what, we're not going to do this anymore. We're going to drive you to every doctor in town until one of them will scan your head because Dana really knew there was something wrong. And so bless Anne's heart, she drove Dana and finally found a doctor. And he said to Dana, what do you want me to do And to, for you today? And she said, I want you to scan my head. And he said, <laughs> okay, let's do it. And um, he scanned her head and found a tumor uh, in her brain and sent her straight. um, She was living over in the eastern part of the state, excuse me, at the time. They sent her straight to Spokane to Sacred Heart that night and scheduled surgery the next day um, because the tumor was rather large. And it was in the center of her head, wrapped around her hypothalamus, her visual cortex, and her pituitary. And so the doctor met with us in the morning and he said he believed it was a glioblastoma. They were going to go in and see and get as much of it as they could. And so this was just a total and utter shock. And of course they came out of surgery and yes, it is a grade four glioblastoma. And um, we you know, his whole thing is, you know, you start radiation in six weeks, you do chemo, you do you know, this is what you do. And um, because I have been on the journey I've been on, um, I'm a bit of a researcher. And uh, so I just said, you know, (laughs) pardon me? (laughs) To put it lightly, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, the first thing I thought of is because I've done a lot of brain research since mine was so injured. And I thought, you know, you radiate a brain? Really? You'd radiate a brain? That just seems like, you know, it's it's like what helps you function. So why would you radiate your brain? But 
that said, um, the one thing um, that I prayed the whole time and still do pray that Dr. Darvish has taught me is to know my own body, Mm. to be present enough to know what's going on with me. And I think as a mom of this 28-year-old beautiful girl, I would like to tell her exactly what she should do Um, (laughs) and say, this is what you should be taking. This is what you should be doing. This is where you should be going. But I had prayed since February 6th, that day she had surgery, that she would know her own body, that she would know what treatment is going to make sense for her. Because I knew in my heart that there, if she did chemo and radiation, she'll die. Because mm-hmm. that's, that's the course. That's what they told us, you know. Yeah, if you don't do radiation, you know, if we do this, you might get an extra month or you might get two months. And I'm thinking, really? It just, it, that, to me, that's not success. And um, so... I really prayed that Dana would know her own body and that she would make the choices because she's got a beautiful two-year-old little girl and is a single mom of this precious, precious gift. And uh, for me, I felt like she really needs to take control of her own health and her life in a way she hasn't before. Mm -hmm. And so I'll pass it off to Dana and let her talk about how she came to the decisions she did because some of the decisions she's made might not have been mine. And if I had made the choices, I may not have made them. But I think that she did a lot of really good soul searching and inner working to, to make decisions about her treatment. And she's doing fantastic. And so I'll just let her take it. Great. Um, yeah, I mean, that's how it all started was at work. I mean, I would be waiting. I was a bank teller, so I'd be waiting on a client and I would immediately have to run and vomit. I mean, I couldn't even finish a conversation with them. I'd say, I'll be right back. And I would run to the restroom and barely make it. Um, And so, you know, it was concerning and to say the least, and it had gone on for months and I kept getting misdiagnosed. Um, Like my mom said, I mean, they said I had a sinus infection and because they had me on a steroid to fight that infection, uh, the sinus infection they thought I had, um, that lessened the swelling in my brain. So I thought for sure it had been a sinus infection. But the minute we started tapering me off of the steroid, it was back. Um, and, you know, they kept giving me shots um, in my behind and saying this is going to do it and, it, and it didn't. And they, they continued to misdiagnose me. And so um, I think it was the 5th of February, if I'm correct, that I was getting ready to go home from work for the third day that week. And both of my managers took me aside separately. I don't think they knew that the other had done this. And they both took me aside and said, look, if it was my daughter, I'd take her to the ER. Um, And that's where you need to go. And so I went home from work. My friend Ann volunteered to drive me to the ER. We were essentially turned away at one emergency room um, by a very rude nurse. (laughs) And so we went to another emergency room and they were lovely and Um, as my mom said, he just said, what can I do for you? What do you expect me to do for you today? And I said, I just want you to scan my head. Um, I know something is not right. And on the drive over to Pullman, I told my friend, Ann, what if it's a tumor? I said, I think that I have a tumor. And she said, it's not a tumor. It's not a tumor. Um, and it was in fact, um, so we were kind of rushed into this 
brain cancer thing full full speed on. Um, I mean, we didn't know one day, and then the next morning I was in surgery. Um, and that was a long road to recovery, um, to getting, uh, just to getting able to even make decisions about my own health. Cause I was, I wasn't mentally of the mind to make any decisions for the first few weeks, you know, neurosurgery is a big deal. Yeah. Um, and so I was exhausted. I had no energy to play with my daughter. Um, I was on so many medications, um, Yeah, it was just, it was a really hard time. And so I'm thankful, I'm thankful that I have a family that does research. Um, You know, we don't just take things at face value. And, you know, when my mom was dealing with her Lyme disease, we didn't think she was crazy or anything, but none of us had ever heard of any of these treatments. None of us had heard of heavy metal. I'm sorry. Okay. So, you know, this was like, so you're the story we were, I was talking to you about during the break. You know, when, when somebody in the family says, you know what? I think I'm going to get an on-demand treatment. Yeah. And so you had not heard about these. So tell me a little bit about how you came to support this. Um, well, I, I, I didn't want to do radiation. I said, I'm not opposed to a low dose chemotherapy. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I'd rather not because the type of cancer I have, I think is, and I might be misquoting this second only to pancreatic cancer and how aggressive it is. So it's basically, I mean, it's right up there with the ones you really, really don't want. Um, right, right. And so my... I don't want any of them. I don't want any of them, yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, I have a two-year-old little girl who I'm the right now sole provider for. Um, and I just said, you know what? I, you know, I prayed a lot for guidance and for direction. And I knew that I wanted to do all of Dr. Darvish's treatments that she was offering, but I also decided on doing a weekly dose of, of chemotherapy through an IV. Mm-hmm. Um, and so besides the chemotherapy, I actually don't think the chemo is doing much. I think it's all of the other, all of the other great things that we're doing that's helping. Um, and so I'm on quite a few different supplements, everything from, you know, CoQ10 to um, evening primrose oil, and all kinds of things like that. And then we're also doing a lot of IVs. Um, we're doing two high dose vitamin C IVs a week. Um, and the interesting thing that Dr. Hayes, who works with Dr. Darvish actually told me is that the vitamin C molecules look almost identical to sugar cells. Well, tumors feed on sugar. So your tumor cells will, in you know, take in all of these, um, you know, all these vitamin C molecules, but they lack I think, is it Dr. Darvish, the enzymes they don't have to process the vitamin C That's molecules? Right. That's right. Is that correct? Um, so I feel fabulous now, actually better than before my brain tumor diagnosis. And we're doing two high-dose vitamin Cs a week. We're doing a biooxidative therapy where they actually oxidate my blood and run it under UV light um, to help cleanse it of any impurities. And mm-hmm. then they put it back in your system. Um, we're doing two of those a week. We're also doing the on-demand treatments, which it turns out is very hard to explain to people who don't know yes. yeah. about naturopathic medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those have been really helpful. We're also doing um, cranial sacral therapy. We're also doing, um, I'm missing some stuff, mom. What, well, what else? Yeah, I know. I have an Excel document, actually. <laughs> um, <laughs> alphabetized, probably. Yes. Well, the low-dose naltrexone. Um, yes. You know, you're doing interferon as well. You're doing, <clears throat> you're trying to stay with a ketogenic diet. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I think, I think when you talk about cancer, and I think this is the thing I love about Dr. D as well, in, in a lot of the research that we read, and there was a particular book called Surviving Terminal Brain Cancer, and he was a research psychologist, and um, he's still living 17 years after his diagnosis of uh, grade 4 glioblastoma. And he, um, he basically said, if you do what your neuro-oncologist tells you, you will die. You have to come up with your own cocktail of the things that will work for you. And I think when I look at Dana, we met with another um, uh, naturopathic oncologist who never really looked at Dana. She had a prescription of what, and I say prescription, not as a, a written prescription, but she had her own cancer protocol to give to Dana, but she didn't examine Dana. She didn't look at Dana to see what Dana needs. And I think that's the difference in Dr. Darvish's naturopathic approach, as opposed to, for instance, this other gal who I thought was lovely, really liked her. I think she's extremely smart. She works on a lot of uh, cancer trials and things like that. But I think the, the thing about Dr. Darvish is she can actually put something next to your body and tell you if that is going to strengthen you or if it's going to harm you or do no good. And so with Dana, I know that, you know, every two weeks we're looking at what do we take her off of? Okay, well, this this isn't useful for you right now, but you need to be on the Pectisol. You need to be on the Vitalzyme. You need to be taking chlorella or you don't need to be taking chlorella. And so I think it's it's this cocktail approach that he mentioned in his book that Dr. Darvish does so well, but it isn't just deciding which cocktail. It's looking at what makes sense for you. Because one of our oncologists basically told us, no one's ever had your cancer before. No one will ever have it again. And until you try something, you will not know how your cancer responds because it's your own and it's based on you. And I thought that was interesting. A guy from UW Medicine would say that. And that's exactly what Dr. Darvish does and exactly what they don't do. Mm-hmm. And so it's really based on Dana. And yeah. Um, yeah, well, and it's easy to go and say, you know, it's easy to watch. Like I have a documentary I really appreciate about cancer treatment. Um, and it's easy to watch that documentary and say, oh, good, curcumin is really good. I should be taking curcumin or, um, you know, any of the other. Th- there's so many different things out there that you could be doing, but um, they might not be right for your cancer, for your right. body. So I think right. it's easy for people that are trying to cure their own cancer or put it into remission. It's easy for them to say, let's do all of the things Let's do everything we can possibly do. But that might not always be correct. So I brought into Dr. Darvish to one appointment um, several different things that I put myself on that she never put me on. And <laughs> she just said, this, this is not good. You don't want to be taking that anymore. <laughs> you know, she sent me home with a bag of things to discontinue because not everything works for everyone. And especially with brain cancer, not everything crosses the blood-brain barrier. So, you, you know, which Dr. Darvish does not think exists, which it, it might not. I don't know. I'm not a doctor, but um, that's, <laughs> well, the, the I love thing that. Is, I've well, thought about can, that a lot. Yeah, we that's can, we can have from, a conversation about that. We could do a whole, whole show brain, about that. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. brain blood barrier. Yeah. 
But the I other bet. thing I want to the other thing I want to point at, point out about what you're saying, and I, and I think it's really super important to say it is, it, 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 don't you think it's not just about what's right for you, but there's a timing issue, and mm-hmm. so that's something that nobody talks to you about in con- conventional medicine that I know about it. I don't want to say nobody. You know, folks don't say in this period of time. You know, let's wait for that. Um, you know, haven't you found that to be true as well? There are times to take something, like we mentioned Argentin, right? There's time to take it and there's time not to take it. Yeah. Um, and it's important to become aware of this, right? Mm-hmm. It is. It truly is. You know, it takes a lot of patience. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> because you want it, it now. And yeah. you also want answers now. And sometimes those answers need time to develop and um, come to fruition. So we don't always get everything yeah. we want at the time we want. And that's yeah. really the beauty of all of this is that it is a journey. And that yeah. journey means it requires time. It requires patience. And, and it really requires love for oneself. Yeah. You know, right. I want to make sure that we get the information, too, because you have gone beyond the beyond. I mean, you know, Dana, what you've decided is, you know what, there's a way to get support for my healing journey. And you create and I'm going to inspire anybody listening to this show. Please go ahead and look at the ways you can become empowered. Can you talk a minute about what you've created? You know, your the, you know, the ways to raise funds. Well, it actually was not my idea. Um, When I was in the hospital for neurosurgery, my closest friend, Natalie, um, called my mom or texted her and said, would you mind if I set up a fundraiser for you? And mom thought, well, I'll wait and ask Dana how she feels about it. And then she thought, well, no, because Dana might say no. So we'll just go ahead and do it. (laughs) Uh, And so they went and set that up. And that raised quite a bit of funds. And then my mom's closest friend from high school, Lynn, actually runs her own marketing company. And so she designed a whole bunch of really beautiful shirts and keychains and mugs and all kinds of things. And so all of the proceeds from any of the things that people buy will go to help me continue to afford going to my treatment that is necessary for the cancer. So, yeah, it's it's been a really fun effort. I don't actually know the URL. Mom, do you know the URL? Um, well, if if you just look up Hope. For the number four, Dana, and it's D-A-Y-N-A. And if there's any show notes, we can put it in there as well. Mm-hmm. But if you just look up Hope for Dana, um, you'll find, um, I think there'll be several things come up. So what Lynn did is she set up a, a separate fundraising site from the one that Natalie did that actually, it, it it's seen by a lot more philanthropists and people who may want to you know, join in. And she also created and is managing a Hope for Dana Facebook page as well. Um, And she did start this store for Hope for Dana, and she had her creative team come up with a lot, several designs that Dana actually, you know, approved, um, that hope is everywhere because it is. And um, Dana's motto is pray, believe, fight. And so we Mm. have those on shirts and keychains and like Dana said, water bottles and all of that kind of thing. But Dana's, um, the, the website for the fundraising is through, um, a company called give forward and they do a lot of fundraising for medical issues and that kind of thing. And I think right now we're just 
trying to figure out how to re-push the efforts. I think when something is fresh and new, people are all mm-hmm. over it. And yeah. so now we're, we're trying to come up with ways to continue to raise money so that Dana can keep getting these so that I can actually retire someday. Um, <laughs> and so, cause it's all about me. <laughs> <laughs> wow. What a great show. I want to thank you both for your time. Um, I think, uh, you know, let's take a minute and I want to ask everyone, um, again, for your personal message, you know, what would you like to leave us with today? And, uh, Dr. Darvish, where should we start? You know, first of all, um, just before we end, I do want to add one other thing in that wasn't mentioned. And first of all, these both both of these females, these women are really amazing, amazing women. And it really is an honor for me to to be uh, part of their life journey. Well, I also wanted to mention that, you know, when you come down with something like cancer, with like glioblastoma, pancreatic cancer, any of these cancers, we really need to look at the depths deep root of why this cancer came through anyways, right? And really, this is part of what Dana is going through right now, is looking at the root cause of why she got this cancer. And part of that is doing some work at the emotional level, but also at the physical level, nutrition level, and uh, digging into seeing if there's any immune deficiencies and and chronic infections. And, uh, you know, her... Her story is also that there is Lyme bacteria that we did diagnose with her uh, as a result of um, all of this testing that she's been going through in the last four to five weeks because um, the Lyme bacteria oftentimes weakens the immune system and it sets up the environment for cancers to grow. So it is really a journey that we are all going through and but i really want to encourage people to not stop at diagnoses cuz mm-hmm. diagnoses are just a way of us categorizing things into blocks and boxes and figuring out a treatment but really looking at the root cause at, or causes of why you may have what you have and it is those root causes, that, those imbalances that as we imb- uh, rebalance that really will get the healing of the cells uh, going and they will get the healing of the organs um, going and the body starts healing at multiple levels, physically, mentally and emotionally and spiritually. And these two women are truly examples of that, truly. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I mean, and, you know, this is why speaking out is so important, because sometimes when you're taking this healing journey, you think you're alone. You really do. You don't think there's anybody else like you, and you don't think there's any way to get better. Mm-hmm. And so I commend both of you for joining us here today. What's your personal message? What would you all like to leave us with? Um, I don't know, Dana. I guess uh, for me, I think that... When we look at what's wrong with us, I think it's not a thing. It's a process. And I think people look at something, they go to the doctor and they think, I need to get rid of this thing, whether it's cancer, whatever it is. How do I get rid of this thing? When like what Dr. Darvish just said is all disease, no matter what's wrong with you, whether you have diabetes, whether you have obesity, whether you have, you know, heart disease, it's all because your cells malfunctioned on some level. And there was a process that made that happen. And when you look at cancer, for instance, it always comes back. 
I mean, you if you do any research at all, you see that it always comes back. And it comes back because we're not getting rid of a thing. You need to be looking at the process by which you got that thing. If you don't change the process, it's going to come back. And so for me, I think in my journey, it's all about figuring out why did my cells malfunction to begin with and how do we fix it from there? Because it's not this one thing that we're going to just eradicate if we don't fix the process. So for me, I think that's, you know, my overall takeaway. Thank you. Thank you. Dana, how about you? Um, I think mine would be that it's never hopeless. It's never absolutely hopeless. And for a couple of weeks after neurosurgery, when we were exploring all of our options and when we were meeting with all these oncologists and meeting with so many different people, they, they all said, you know, one, my neurosurgeon said, this is going to take your life and it's going to take it much sooner than you should have to go. And that's so discouraging to hear as someone that's newly diagnosed, as someone that, you know, is already, you know, pretty emotionally turbulent, you know, as far as everything's going. And, and so I am doing fabulous, you know, because of all of the different things that Dr. Darvish has done, whether it's the IVs or the, um, the vitamins, the minerals, all of those things. I'm, I'm Actually, doing it's, the, it's really the work that you've done. Yeah. Truly. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, people continue to be amazed at how well I'm doing and how great I'm feeling and how much energy I have to chase around my two-year-old. And that's because I didn't lose hope when a neurosurgeon looked me in the face and said, this is going to take your life. Um, I said, no, thank you. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I don't think so. So yeah, there's, there's always hope and there's always things you can do to better your body and better your spirit and your heart and, and try to get on a path toward healing. Wow. I want to thank everybody, everybody today um, for joining us here today. Dr. Darvish, you know, what an incredible show. Uh, you, you know, what's your takeaway, Dr. Darvish? What's your what's your personal message? What would you like to leave all of us with? You know, again, it reminds me of another Baha'i quote. It says, mm-hmm. let each morn be better than its eve and each morrow richer than its yesterday. Mm. 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 And, you know, I, I want to thank all of you for uh, tuning us in and turning us on. You know, the thing that I'm reminded of today, and again, I don't know why I'm reminded of this. Maybe I'm on the East Coast, is, uh, you know, a song that I heard when I was a teenager, and it was called The Boxer. And it is another Simon and Garfunkel song. And what's so important about that is the will for all of us to stand up and stand tall and remember the beauty that we have in persevering, in the wisdom that's shared with us and the strength and hope we hope we give others. All right. Thank you all for tuning us in. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Lime Talk Radio with Dr. Pat Basili. Epic healing for an epic life. This inspiring show highlights leading-edge solutions, groundbreaking research, headline topics, and tools for holistic healing and wellness. This hit show is dedicated to raising awareness, promoting advocacy and prevention, and supporting initiatives for optimal health. Dr. Pat is passionate and focused on life-saving results reaching far beyond Lyme disease, providing a forum for powerful stories, heart-opening experiences, and hope-activated solutions. Dr. Pat will shine a light on the many shades of Lyme disease fueled by a body-mind-spirit remedy. For more information, visit LimeTalkRadio.com and tune in next time.